0: It's the next level. Oh, it's you, Harry. For a minute there, you startled me. I got some pizza. Pizza? Harry, I don't have time to make pizza. Did I say anything about making pizza? It's frozen. See? Gino's. Gino's? I didn't know they made a frozen pizza. It's right there in the freezer section. You think Gino's wouldn't make a frozen pizza that bakes in ten minutes for people in a hurry? Oh, Harry. Be tender. Of course it'll be tender. I'm gonna put it in the oven right now. I hope you do, Harry. It's getting hold against my back what the fuck do you ever fantasize about being killed do you ever wonder about all the different horrible way to die. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. The following movie contains material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Your discretion is advised.
1: Let's start on a controversial note. Because I have a question that I want to ask. I'm going to answer it as well, but I'm going to ask it. Is it really weird to think, possibly, that Halloween Resurrection is actually... Just a movie that was well before its time, I think. Would it be safe to say it's actually a good movie? Is it really as bad as some might say? I mean, I don't think so. Think about it. I mean, there's there's a, a whole theme in this movie about the idea of watching others suffer on the internet. You know, they're exploring a dark and creepy, you know, haunted house, a dark place in the world, kind of thing, right? and they're all going to suffer. And we see this, this crowd of people being attracted to the TV screen, and they want to watch it, and they want to watch people suffer. And while there's, like, you know, the one character that's like, I think this is real, the rest of them are all like, this is a great show. Isn't this what we've become today? So, I don't know. I, I, for me, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, Halloween Resurrection was just actually a movie before its time. It's really not a bad movie. I mean, I don't know. I actually, when I watch it, like it reminds me of the movie Cradle of Fear, for those of you who have seen it. There, it's kind of like four stories tied into one kind of idea. And the fourth story in that movie was called The Sick Room, where basically you logged online and you got to choose someone's fate. And they would suffer and blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, movies like that, they were coming out in the early 2000s. I I think it was just they were misunderstood. I don't think they're actually that bad. I mean, because today you log on social media and like, you know, there's videos of someone being killed or someone being shot or something. And it's like everyone is like drawn to watch it. You know, it's not that we necessarily support it. I'm not saying that. I mean, the movie kind of highlights that point, but I'm not always saying we, we support the violence we see, but we seem like we have to watch it. We're like drawn to it it's like it's like a natural instinct, so I don't know like it, it, for me, I'm thinking you know Halloween Resurrection to say it's a bad movie I don't really know if it's a bad movie. I mean yes the you know the Michael Myers mask it it sucks but the movie isn't oh fuck, who am I kidding? it's garbage and on that note, coming to you, stinking of death in three cheese pizza Pops. From the basement of the Next Level Network of Podcasts and that stank hell known as Studio Zero. The podcast so bad, Gene Siskel's soul has risen from the grave to cut it down to shreds. No one is welcome back to What lurks behind, behind Podcast Zero. Zero. And this is your rigor mort Mortost. Okay, that was bad, but I thought I'd try it. Postmortem Paul. And this week, episode seventy six. Yeah, episode seventy six, and it's all about resurrections and decapitations. Kind of, I guess the two kind of go hand in hand. Um, yeah, and there's oh yeah, there's this like limey green uh, vaccination shit. You know, it's like you inject the shit, and it's limey green, and and there's Hellcats, and Barbara Crampton's pretty hot in this movie too. Nonetheless, episode seventy six. Your surprise episode review is 1985's H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator. From the warped minds of Stuart Gordon and Brian Yuzna. And you know what's really weird about Reanimator? I think this was my own personal Mandela effect. Because I could have swore I already did this movie. I looked up and down my episode list. I'm like, did I not do Reanimator? I could swear, I, I, I swear to God, I thought I did this, but I didn't. So, <laughs> this week, um, which, yeah, I should explain something. So, originally, this episode was supposed to be something completely different. Uh, and I was actually going to be reviewing a VHS tape. I was not going to be reviewing an actual movie. I mean, it was, it was a movie in a sense but it was like a collection of music videos with a documentary at the end of it, and that was what I was originally going to review this week to do something different. Um, Well, it was supposed to happen two weeks ago. But anyways, so I had a lot of it planned out and stuff, but for some reason it just didn't feel like it was going to have a proper flow to the episode, and I'm like, "Mm, I don't know if I really want to do this. So I started brainstorming. I'm like, okay, I need to do a movie that's going... It's going to be something that people want to listen to and stuff like that because I was completely changing the whole idea. And so I'm going through my episode list, and that's when I discovered I had never done Reanimator. I've reviewed Dagon, which is my other, like, totally passionate love for a Lovecraft film. I mean, Dagon is one of my favorites, but I had realized I did not do Reanimator yet. So. That's why this is happening. We're doing Reanimator. Um, also, is just because I, I, might have been about a week ago or so, screwing around on YouTube, and I found you know Count Scary promoting Reanimator, and I was like, oh, man, that's such a great movie, and it just kind of domino effect. So yeah. Before all that though, uh, I do have a question to ask and i'm going to also give my rant about it you know following along because i've noticed something here's my old man grumpy routine of hating social media but why is it that on social media people join these groups okay uh facebook a lot facebook groups is a big thing you know twitter twitter has its little communities and pockets of you know people and stuff i the whole last drive-in thing. They have the whole mutant family, which actually is a very non-toxic community. It's kind of nice for once. But um, I've noticed, like within these groups lately, you know, whether it's on Facebook or whatever social media format we're talking about here, the masses in these groups they will post like a movie poster. Okay, it'll be like, oh, I'm watching this tonight, and then they'll follow it up with. What does everyone think? And my question to those people is this. Why don't you tell me what you think about the movie? And stop looking for approval to like or dislike a fucking movie. I don't understand... I don't know. I guess it's because I'm of this strong mentality of thinking for myself. I don't like... Basing opinions on what other people think. It's funny because I'm a podcaster putting out my reviews and, you know, most people, I hope, just listen to this just, you know, for a laugh. <laughs> I'm really hoping you don't take my reviews seriously because I don't take them seriously. I'm talking about a movie. I mean, but I i, I don't know. Like, it, it's something I've noticed and it no- I, it, I notice it happens a lot. Is that like every day I go on my social media feeds just to see what my friends are up to or whatnot. And it's like all these Facebook groups that I joined originally to hear other people's opinions. And it seems like everyone's always asking me, well, what do you think? Well, what do you care what I think? My question is, is what do you think? Like, if you want to post a movie poster post it and then say, you know what, this is what I really liked about this movie. Let us know what you're thinking. Don't wait till everybody else has commented and then say oh, I agree or I disagree with you. Well, no! Like, I don't know, I mean at at that point I should just be saying stop listening to my show because it doesn't matter what I think either, but Um. (laughs) and, and something else that I noticed that happens in a lot of these groups is people will write out they'll you know, I'm new to this group and Me and my boyfriend, or me and my girlfriend, uh, we're thinking of trying Shudder. Or we're thinking of looking into Tubi, or Netflix, or whatever. What great movies are on Netflix? Here's a fucking idea. Go on there, and check it out for yourself. Because you know what? My opinion of what I think Shudder might be, or what I think of Netflix, may not be the same opinion you're going to share. I just find, and maybe it's a social media thing that I don't understand, but I find that a lot of people go on there looking for approval, or the best, the part that I absolutely love is when someone will bring up a super famous movie, like, let's say, like, Scream. Okay, everybody has seen Scream. Everyone and their mother has seen Scream. I know people that aren't even horror movie fans that have seen Scream. What does everyone think of this movie? Are you fucking kidding me right now? Seriously? Seriously? You're doing this for attention. You're not doing it because you actually want to hear what someone has to say. And if someone has an opposing opinion, what are you going to do? Fight with them over it? I don't know. My my whole thing is, is what I might like, you might think is garbage. And vice versa. I am not a fan of Hocus Pocus. I have made this very well known many times on this show, many times in my life. And I usually get, you know, I get scolded for it. Because it's supposed to be like... This is the thing, like, people act like, oh my god, your opinion is so wrong. No, it's my opinion. I don't like the fucking movie, okay? Recently, (laughs) recently it was discovered, get this, you're going to laugh at this story, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. So, long story short, talking with a friend at work one night, he makes a reference to that movie, and I didn't get it. This is when we discovered I hadn't seen the movie oh my god it's like people you know are slamming me how have you never seen this movie there do you know how many thousands of fucking horror movies are out there in the world I missed one whoops sorry like (laughs) I mean it was funny me and him joke about it like there's nothing serious you know meant between it and myself and other friends were joking about it but it's just I, I always love it when like you bring up a movie that is a very mainstream movie or a very common film and there's that one guy who's like, well, I haven't seen it. And everyone like slams him. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? How did you not see Halloween? Well, maybe it didn't appeal to him. You know, maybe it just didn't cross his path. And, um, the funny thing about Tales from the Dark Side was I actually did remember one of the segments in the movie because it's an anthology film, right? And But the weird thing is it was the middle story. And I don't know why I didn't remember the first or the last story, but I remembered the middle story. So... Who the fuck knows? Maybe I was drunk when I watched it originally. I don't know. Um, In terms of the whole social media thing, though, and and don't get me wrong, I get it. Social media is supposed to be social, and it's the whole idea of we're all in this together bullshit. Yeah, okay, (laughs) whatever. But it's like I said to one of my friends the other day. I say, you know, I don't need approval from the public to like what I do. Um, And you know what, lurkers? You should be that same way. I, I, I believe honestly love what you love and understand that others have the same right as you but like it for yourself and you know don't worry if someone else doesn't like it whatever it is. I mean let let your happy or dark place whatever you want to call it but let it fill your heart with joy or if your heart is dead I don't know your inner soul I don't know just be happy with what you like understand others are gonna like what they like and if a serbian film happens to be the movie they like question their sanity but that's besides the point um um ah, let's move on though uh quickly oh um not horror related but i wanted to mention this anyways transformers war for cybertron part one which they're calling siege uh, six six 20 minute episodes on netflix really good actually was quite decent if you're a Transformers fan, I grew up in the 80s. You know, the Transformers movie was my life back in the day. I loved the series and whatnot, like the first-gen series. Um, so if you like that, I, I highly recommend The War for Cybertron. It was actually really good. Just hoping we don't have to wait too long for part two. Because um, we do know this world likes to fuck with us lately, and nobody knows when anything's being released these days. So we got part one. I'm just hoping part two comes in like maybe six months. I don't want to have to wait a fucking year for it, but it may happen. Uh, we do know that coming in October, though, Eli Roth's um, History of Horror—that uh, what was it? Ten episodes, I think, was the first season or something like that. Anyways, he's getting a second season starting in October on AMC, so that's pretty cool. What else? Marilyn Manson released a new single, "We Are Chaos." That's some good shit, man. Uh, fuck and here's another of my beautiful little rants this is a very ranty beginning but um Marilyn Manson fans they fuck with me sometimes I I don't understand them you know because here's the thing yes Manson has evolved throughout the years some good some not so good I personally wasn't a huge fan of the Pale Emperor album but I mean it is what it is but he releases this new single. It's something different, but it's very relevant to the times, which is what Manson does. And there were fans on there complaining, I wish he'd go back to the Antichrist superstar kind of sound. You know, he hasn't been the same since. Well, of course he hasn't been the same. He's evolving. He's, he's, he's evolving with the times as well. And then here the you'll have the other side of that that... You have bands like ACDC, for example, that people will say, you know, it's the same song every fucking song. This band sounds exactly the same as they did in 1980. They haven't changed any. So Manson is damned if he does or damned if he doesn't because you know you're going to have those fans that if he kept the same sound and he was doing the same thing for the last 20 years, people would turn around and say he never evolves. Because he changes his sound, they complain that he's evolved. Um... I personally like the new single. I think it's awesome. It's it's kind of good, really. Um, I've also been on a KMFDM kick lately, uh, which apparently, get this, according to the internet, is another band that have gone political. Okay, so here's another of my grandpa rants. I'm calling them grandpa rants because I, I'm just in a pissed off mood and I just want to let this shit out. So I've come to the conclusion that either on the internet. I think it's two two options when it comes to this. Either one, it's a trolling thing, looking for attention. Or B, people's comprehension skills have been sorely lacking for a very long time. Now I wanna lean more towards A. I wanna I wanna believe that people are just trolling or looking for, you know, their likes and their shares and whatnot. But for all I know, maybe maybe it is B. Maybe people don't comprehend shit and that explains the current state of the world. I don't fucking know. Anyway, I can now add KMFDM to the list of bands that supposedly have, quote-unquote, gone political. You know, Rage Against the Machine, Madonna, Public Enemy, um, Fuck Ministry, Dead Kennedys. I'm fucking loving the band names that, like, I seriously go on YouTube and you'll see under some of their videos. It's like, you know, this band was good, and then they went political and they completely ruined it. They've ruined their sound They're not even the same band that I liked In the 1980s I was born in 96 but I liked Them in the 80s like seriously it's like With KMFDM here's my Thing okay so they and we're going as far Back as like the 1990s right Like early 90s they had songs like A Drug Against War uh, Megalomaniac, Brainwashed Recently songs like Fake News And Paradise And Paradise Is like very politically driven here's my thing did none of those song titles tip anyone off like I mean you don't even have to hear the song you just see the song title and you're like oh yeah they're hitting the politics in this one Um, and that to be fair like I thought people already knew the majority of the like industrial music scene like are very politically and socially driven that is what part of the whole idea of industrial music is skinny puppy where the fuck do you think they got their name her name came from the idea of test lab animals. Like, I don't know. Anyway, I guess I should stop the whole grumpy man, like old man routine thing. I'm not a senior, but I feel like when of them start bitching, but <laughs> I don't know. I need to move on with the show. Um, oh, you know what? One other thing I do I kind of want to mention, though. Um, it kind of explained why I did the whole Halloween thing at the beginning of this, but. So I was finally able to uh, complete my Freddy Krueger collection on VHS. And when I say that, I mean like I'm talking like all Nightmare on Elm Street films plus Freddy's Nightmares. I have like all the VHSs I need minus there's what the the making of part four or whatever. Uh, That one, it's going to take me a while to find that one. That one's a tricky one to find, but I can honestly say that like, you know, my Nightmare on Elm Street collection now, my Freddy Krueger collection, is done on VHS. I'm very happy about this, and that happened this past week. As well as my Halloween collection. Halloween Resurrection was the last one I needed. I had put it off to the last because it's pretty much my least favorite in terms of the VHS movies. Um, I mean, honestly, the movie <laughs> movie is garbage. I, I was joking at the beginning when I'm like, well, you know, maybe it was a good movie. No, it's really not that good. I mean... I don't know. Buster Rhymes, I've actually kind of grown to actually like his character in the movie. Um, when I first saw it, I didn't like him. But I, I kind of do now. Tyra Banks, though, I just... I can't I can't deal with her. I don't know why. It, it's... But it's weird, because in the movie Higher Learning, I actually really like her in that movie. So, I, I don't know. I'm like that. I'm weird. Like, Jada Pinkett Smith is another one. I liked her in Demon Knight. And even in scream I didn't mind because she well they killed her so it was kind of fun to watch but I mean um but then like her some of her more recent stuff it's like ugh, seriously I can't even deal with you um I don't know Friday the 13th all I need is Jason X and then I'll have all of those as well so anyways um I guess well Let's throw this out there and you know what this isn't a whole dick measuring thing either this is just something that I'm kind of proud about because this week's movie review I also have that on VHS and have the Vestron release which I'm very happy about it's not easy to find not in this current era anyways but um you know what movie we're gonna be doing we're gonna do the green juice shit you know juice them up with that green stuff let's see what happens it's all it's a perfect example of science folks you try something, see results, write down results, try something different, check results. That's how a science works. This movie actually does the science thing really well. But anyways, trailer time out. And when we come back, our shared podcast experience will be an injection of passion and dead cats. Dead cat thing, man. Uh, talking Heads and Miskatonic University. So, yeah, we're going to come back with Reanimator back in a splat, kids. Finally, a movie about Gatorade junkies. Reanimator Tuesday at
0: 8, as Shocktober continues, sponsored by TV50 and FM 104 WOMC. <laughs> Herbert West is at the top of his class in medical school. How can you teach such dribble? These people are here to learn, and you're closing their minds before they even have a chance. What are He's you- brilliant, but a little weird. I've broken the 6 to 12 minute barrier. I've brain death. His experiments have always been unorthodox. It was dead. <sighs> but lately they're getting out of yes. hands. <laughs> and he's just made a discovery that could wake up the dead. Herbert West has affected reanimation in dead animal tissue. What are you thinking? How do you feel? <sighs>
1: CCs of reagent being administered.
0: Once you wake up the dead, you've got a real mess on your hands. Homer, <laughs> you're insane! Now what happened? I had to kill him! He's dead?
1: Not anymore.
0: Herbert West brought a lot of dead people back to life, and not one of them showed any appreciation. H.P. Lovecraft's classic tale of horror, Reanimator. Mr. West. You'll never get credit for my discovery. Who's going to believe a talking head get a job in a sideshow? It will scare you to pieces.
1: Reanimator. It'll scare you to pieces. So Grandpa Postmortem Paul is back. Maybe I should just call myself like Grandpa Paul. I'm really grumpy. At least this episode, I seem like I'm really grumpy. I'm really not, actually. I'm in a pretty fucking good mood. I'm in a great mood, man. 2020 has ruined my life. God, I love when I see that shit. Makes me laugh. Whatever. It's called adaptation. Learn to adapt. Herbert West adapted. Did you not watch this movie? Maybe you haven't, so... Anyway. You need to shut the fuck up! Reanimator. I love this movie. I should probably just give my final score now, but... I wrote down a lot about this movie. Um, so okay so Reanimator, my Mandela effect movie because apparently I didn't review this movie yet I it did I do know it was released October 18th 1985 though I don't remember like it actually being released but I do remember reading that it was released because I read it on the internet and what's on the internet is truth it's fact there's no fake news on the internet. Okay. Anyways, I'm like totally like just fucking around, and I need to stop doing that shit. I'm supposed to be professional here. This movie was directed by Stuart Gordon. This was his first full-length feature, di- like his directorial debut. It's fucking awesome. He also worked on like movies like From Beyond, Dolls, Fortress, Castle Freak, Dagon two episodes of Masters of Horror. I should probably say he worked on Robot Jocks as well. Robot Jocks was like the movie that came up everywhere, so I hardly wrote it down, just because. So any name that I mention, just assume they worked on the movie Robot Jocks, because it seemed like it came up everywhere. Sadly though, I have to say this, I think I actually already had said this on the podcast at one point, but uh, this year, 2020, the year that ruined my life, man. Um, anyways, uh, March 24th, we lost Stuart Gordon. So so actually, this is kind of good me doing this. This is like my well, <laughs> five months later tribute to Stuart Gordon. Rest in peace, dude. He did some great shit. Like every, every movie I mentioned there, minus Robot Jocks. I actually haven't seen Robot Jocks, believe it or not. Um, but yeah. Away this year. So that sucks. Uh, the movie, The Animator, was produced by Brian Yusna. and he's basically the man behind the magic. He's the reason this movie happened. Um, long story short, he was basically owed money uh, from Charles Band. Uh, Charles Band was like the, the top CEO, the owner of Empire Pictures or whatever. And, anyways. Charles Band owed Brian Usina, like a bunch of money. Yusna was getting the feeling he, you know, he wasn't going to see that money for quite a long time. So what he did was he made a trade. He said, instead of paying me back the money, if you can just help get this movie made in terms of production and distribution, we'll call it even. Um, so Empire Pictures, or is it? Empire International Pictures, I think is actually what the full name is. Anyways, they basically released this movie for him. And helped with production costs and whatnot. So, um, Yuzna was also responsible for a lot of awesome movies, like From Beyond Dolls, Bride of Reanimator, which he directed as well, Um, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, Return of the Living Dead 3, which he directed that as well. That's an awesome movie. That is so underrated. That movie is one I will review one day on this show, because it is very underrated the first three Return of the Living Deads are all awesome in their own way. As for the other two, well, okay. But, um, <laughs> but part three gets underrated so much, and I will eventually talk about that on this show. Uh, he also worked on Necronomicon, Book of the Dead. He was part director in that one. Uh, Dagon, uh, and other movies he directed, and not so much produced, but he directed, uh, Society, which, uh, a shunting we will go fuck that movie is so awesome uh silent night deadly night four and he was uh director on the two dentist movies um, with corbin Burnson. this movie was written by stuart gordon and dennis paoli but it was actually adapted from the six-part short story by hp lovecraft uh, known as herbert west reanimator and from what i was reading I didn't really know too much about the, the history of the writing of this, but actually Stuart Gordon and Dennis Paoli originally intended like, to have this more faithful to the actual story that H.P. Lovecraft put out. But by the time they were done and there were rewrites and you know, it changed everything, it ended up being more of a parody of a Frankenstein kind of movie. And I know also there was something about the idea of Originally, the idea for Reanimator was they wanted it like to be like a twelve-part like series or something, and I believe it was Stuart Gordon went to Brian Yuzna, you know, showed him the idea of it, or, or it's the other way around. One of the, one of them went to the other one, anyways, and they talked about it, and uh, basically, when they decided they were going to put this into production, it became a full-length movie as opposed to a series. Um it, interestingly enough I have never I never seen uh in recent times anyone talking about making this into a series which would actually probably work very well especially like you know with something like HBO or Shutter I, I wouldn't go Netflix I wouldn't stay away from Netflix but um but that that said like the haunting of hill house is fucking amazing and that's on Netflix so I mean it is what it is um anyways moving on to the music the music was uh done by richard band um who is charles band's brother i believe um he got quite a bit of flack for the score to this film uh due to it sounding very similar to bernard herman's score for psycho now, the score was meant partly as an homage though um, and he never denied you know borrowing the, the 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 hinted themes of psycho like it was never meant to be a ripoff it was more meant to just be like here's my homage to you while i'm putting my own spin on it as well and unfortunately he got some flack for that uh cinematography or director of photography as he was known uh was credited uh mac alberg who also worked on uh movies like hell night and ghoulies House from Beyond, Dolls House Two. Uh, his final movie was Evil Bong in 2006, and sadly, six years later, he passed away. Um, but left uh, left behind quite a legacy. There's some there's some good films in there. Special effects supervisor was uh, John Car- John Carl Buchler, uh the special effects wizard, and um, he was also the director of Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, The New Blood. And I've mentioned it before on the podcast, yes, he passed away in 2019. Uh, also, John Nolan worked on the effects as well. Uh, you, you actually, when doing like my research and whatnot, John Nolan's ca- name came up a lot more than uh, than Buechler's, but uh, Buechler was, he, he was like the supervisor. He kind of overlooked everything and whatnot. Um, and I believe he did some of like the... Uh, some of the effects anyways but john nolan was uh more the key guy i think in terms of special effects uh the editing was done by lee percy i mentioned this because his list of movies that he's been a part of are pretty decent films uh shogun assassin troll (laughs) okay so troll's in there whatever um from beyond dolls single white female desperate measures with michael keaton uh he did the 2013 remake of carrie which oddly enough i didn't hate it wasn't that bad i mean i'm still partial to the original myself but the remake was not horrible uh he also worked on the movie snowden that's just to name a few i also am going to mention one of the stuntmen for this film because it was george p wilbur they credited him as George Wilbur, but it is actually George P. Wilbur, who, for those of you who know your Halloween trivia, he was uh, The Shape, or Michael Myers, whichever you want to call him, uh, for Halloween 4 and Halloween 6. So, and he did stunts for this, uh, this movie here, um, Our starring cast. And okay, so the first one I'm going to mention, I'm not going to lie, I wrote down a lot of shit for this guy because he's done a lot his resume is fucking huge you know who I'm talking about I'm talking about our Herbert West I'm talking about Jeffrey Combs Jeffrey Combs I didn't myself personally I didn't realize he was in so much shit that I've seen over the years I mean I knew he was in a lot of stuff but I mean I never knew he was in the Captain Cold episode of the 90s flash I didn't even realize that and I mean I have that series like it john wesley ships flash is fucking fun man i mean it's campy as fuck but it's fun to watch also never realized that in like the later episodes of like batman the animated series or like the new adventures of batman as it was called um when it was on tv he was the voice of jonathan crane aka the scarecrow i didn't realize that um but i mean he's also been in stuff like the frighteners uh, with Michael J. Fox. He's been in all 3 Reanimator films, obviously. Uh, the movie Would You Rather, which, not going to lie, was not bad. I enjoyed that one. Um, he was in Frightmare, which I believe came out in, like, 1983. 19, 1982 or 1983. I believe it was 83, though. Um, from Beyond. Uh, he was in an episode of Freddy's Nightmares. I never knew that. And, yeah, I, I do remember watching that. Like, I... Unfortunately, I have five VHS tapes. I don't have the full series. And each VHS tape has one or two episodes. So I don't have the full series. I have like really bad downloads that I got off archive.org. But I mean, I haven't really watched them because the quality is not the greatest. Never, I didn't even realize he was in one of those episodes. Um, He was in the movie Fortress. I knew that. He was in Necronomicon. As a matter of fact, I think he plays HP Lovecraft in that movie uh lurking fear which is okay I'm I'm going to keep my comments to myself but it's not the greatest um he was in Castle Freak I still know what you did last summer House on Haunted Hill uh Star Trek Deep Space 9 and he actually played two different roles on that and uh, that series um and it was recurring he, he was in there quite a bit uh let's see what else did i write down here he was uh the oh this is cool okay so for those of you who liked um the the tim era of dc cartoons and whatnot uh he was the voice of the question in the justice league unlimited uh series which i thought that was pretty cool he was also in several Transformers series uh, i think like uh, transformers prime i think was one of them i saw um he was in gotham for two episodes uh, the the Fox series there Gotham yeah he was in two episodes of that forgot about that um, now I didn't forget this I knew he was the voice of Brainiac in uh, Injustice two uh, the video game that was released by Nether Realm I want to say Nether Realm I was almost said ne- Nether Worlds so I'm like no 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 it's Nether Realm um, etc cetera, et cetera. you get my point like I, I know I kind of really have focused on Jeffrey Combs here he's in a lot of shit but it was the fact that he was in a lot of shit that I didn't realize like Freddy's nightmares. It was like, I honestly couldn't remember that. I was like, Oh fuck. That's pretty fucking cool. Um, and the star Trek thing, I knew about that, but it just, again, one of those things that I knew about, but it kind of slipped my mind. Uh, moving on though, to the rest of the cast because they're just as important. Uh, Bruce Abbott as Dan Kane and, this was actually supposed to be the movie that Bruce or Bruce Abbott which you know, he was supposed to be the starring character, the starring role. But Jeffrey Combs was just too memorable. And unfortunately, Herbert West just really takes center stage, even though a lot of this was supposed to focus on Dan Kane uh, and his relationship to Megan Halsey and Dean Halsey. But that's not exactly how it turned out. Uh Bruce Abbott uh apparently had an uncredited role in the last Starfighter. I didn't know that. Um but that's pretty cool. Uh he was in a movie Summer Heat, uh Bad Dreams, Inters, in, Interzone. I don't know why I was gonna say Innerzone. Uh, it's like it's not Inner, it's inter Interzone. Uh he was in Bride of Reanimator, uh The Prophecy 2, and he did quite a bit of T V work. Uh again, though, like you know, When he was cast for this movie, the, you know, the vision was, was to make him like kind of shine on the screen kind of thing. But, you know, Jeffrey Combs was just way too good as Herbert West and unfortunate for Bruce Abbott, but not so much unfortunate for Jeffrey Combs. Um, Jeffrey Combs career like skyrocketed. Moving on to Barbara Crampton. I've talked about her before on this show just recently actually when I did my chopping mall episode but anyways, she plays uh, Megan Halsey. She's the Dean's daughter and Dan Kane's girlfriend. She was also in the movie From Beyond uh, Chopping Mall as I mentioned, puppet master, Castle Freak, You're next. Uh, that's your next. Uh, for those of you who can't figure out the difference between your and your, this is the one with the apostrophe. <laughs> um The Lords of Salem, she was in that, she was in Tales of Halloween and Beyond the Gates. Uh moving on to David Gale. I will talk more in depth about him in a bit, but uh David Gale as Dr. Carl Hill. Um Not in, well, he was uh, he was in a lot of acting but um I, I kind of more mentioned like the stuff that stayed within this genre. Uh, he was in *Savage Weekend*, uh, *The Brain*, Bride of Reanimator*, and *The First Power* with uh, Lou Diamond Phillips. Uh, but David Gale passed away in 1991. Uh, but keep in mind, he was older when he did this. Uh, did this movie? So um, Robert Sampson. Uh, Robert Sampson is a joy in this movie. Uh, he plays the Dean, uh, Alan Halsey a ton of TV work. This man has done uh, a, a TV work that included Alfred Hitchcock presents the twilight zone thriller, the outer limits, star Trek, the original series, wonder woman. Um, in terms of movies he's done, he was in movies like city of the living dead, robot jocks. And he's one of them. I actually mentioned it for everybody else was in robot jocks, by the way, uh, that I've already mentioned uh, <laughs> um, the arrival with Charlie Sheen. He was in the dark side of the moon, uh, Robert Sampson, again, I feel like I'm saying this a lot this episode, but he passed away uh, January of this year, actually. 2020 is the year that took him. The year that ruined my life, man. Um. Anyways, moving on. Moving on. Al Barry as Dr. Hans Gruber. No, we're not talking about Die Hard, by the way. Um, I know it, it's funny when you, I, you, you watch this film, and this movie came out three years before Die Hard, and the doctor's name is Hans Gruber, and then you, you figure in Die Hard, Hans Gruber was um, Alan Rickman's character. But anyways, Hans Gruber, I, I had to like anyways. I'll just I'll just move on. Al Berry was in the last Starfighter who's also in Halloween three season of the witch as Harry Grimbridge. He's Ellie's father. He's the, he's the, he's kind of the, the reason the story propels itself because Ellie is on the look for her look, you know, on the hunt to find her father. Her father's missing. Uh, Al Berry played Harry Grimbridge. So that was kind of cool. Uh, moving on to Carolyn Purdy Gordon. Ah, Gordon. Yes. Stuart Gordon's wife. Uh, she plays uh, Dr. Herod, um, Herod, Herod. I pronounce it Herod. It's probably Herod, but whatever. Uh, she's been in a lot of his movies um, <laughs> from beyond dolls, robot jock, uh, robot jocks, uh, fortress, uh, castle freak. She was also in ABCs of death part 2.5. And this, I believe, and I read this trivia and I actually heard it somewhere too. That this is one of the only movies where Stuart Gordon didn't kill his wife, like uh, in the movie, because um, obviously he didn't kill his wife. But yeah, so apparently, like after after this movie, after she was in this movie, uh, the the subsequent movies that would follow, uh, <laughs> Stuart apparently found um, joy in killing his wife on the screen. So that's kind of cool, I guess. Uh, Hey, whatever keeps a marriage going, right? Okay. Ian Patrick Williams as the Swiss professor. That's what he's credited as, the Swiss professor. Anyways, he was in the movie TerrorVision. He was in Dolls. Uh, He was in the pilot episode of No More Mr. Nice Guy for Freddy's Nightmares. I've noticed a lot of Freddy's Nightmares coming up in my research. It was kind of nice. No, not, you know, no Mr. Whatever. Fucking bad joke. Um Ian Patrick Williams, though, did a lot of TV work, which also included voiceovers for Batman the Animated Series and Batman Beyond. And he was in the show Dexter. So I thought that was worth mentioning. Jerry Black as Mace. Mace is our security guard in this movie. I love this guy. He is a highlight when he's on the screen. Anyways, he was also in National Lampoon's Vacation. He was in Mr. Bomb, Death Warrant. Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, he was in The Howling 6, uh, The Freaks, he was in the movie Blank Man, he was in Volcano, and did a lot of TV work, which also included The A-Team, All in the Family, Kings of The King of Queens, uh, all to name a few. I fucking love this guy, though, and he has probably one of the best quotes in the movie, which comes early in the film. Uh, when they're talking about the morgue and he's like, don't know why they keep locked doors around here. Nobody wants in. Ain't nobody getting out. I fucking die laughing every time he says that because it is so true. And it makes no sense. Why would they put locks on the fucking doors? But whatever. It, hey, in 2020, anything's possible. But this was 1985. But still, um, I love him. I, I, the security guard dude just fucking kills me in this movie let's just tie this all up though. The budget for this movie was a whole whopping $900,000. The box office gross was 2 million. And that's a nice win. Uh, Distributed by Empire Pictures, as I said earlier, the runtime was 86 minutes. That was cut down from 150 minutes. This movie was two and a half hours long when they first filmed it. Uh, And the movie is unrated. There is no rating for this film. Quickly, the synopsis for this film. I got this straight from the back of the Vestron VHS box art, um, and I wrote the whole goddamn thing out. Reanimator, H.P. Lovecraft's wildly outrageous tale of grisly horror that has become a modern cult classic almost overnight, comes to home video to haunt, thrill, and delight the mad scientist in us all. Reanimation, the science of bringing dead creatures back to life, is Herbert West's dream. West tests his secret life-rejuvenating potion on some cooperative corpses at a local morgue. It's a success! But only a temporary one, as the dead spring to life, reacting violently to their reanimation. Zombies are loose, and now West cannot control the very beasts he recreated. The born-again dead are unstoppable. Even severed body parts take on life, Like so many split worms. Herbert West has a serious problem. Will he become the first in a new breed of headhunters? Or are all of his woes coming to a head? There's a lot of the head talk in this. Reanimator, an intense film of spine-tingling effects and macabre humor. Now it's time for my notes from the Miskatonic University. And yeah... This is an interesting movie. There's a lot of interesting shit about this. Uh, I, I like some of the back, but like behind the scenes, shit that I, I found out about this film. Um, there's a there's a lot of cool shit. Now, first off, I don't know if this is the true record, but 24 gallons of blood were used in this film. 24, fucking gallons of blood. Now, I'm not sure. Like I thought. Evil Dead 2 had more. I could be wrong about that. I didn't actually go that deep into my research. um, Which I probably could have. But it seems to me that I I remember somewhere. Hearing that Evil Dead 2 and Dead Alive. Were the two bloodiest films. In terms of the amount of blood used. But I could be wrong on that. Anyways this is definitely up there. uh, And Stuart Gordon said that he recalled. During the filming of this movie. That his feet constantly felt like they were glued. To the floor, or that they were sticky to the floor. He was constantly sticking to the floor. Um, when Reanimator was originally released on videotape, there were two versions available. There's the unrated theatrical cut, which is the one I have, and there was the edited R rated version. Um, they, they came up with an R rated version for uh, back in the day, certain video stores um, would not release, like, they would not rent out movies that were unrated so there had to be a rated version in order for um certain video rental places to rent the movie out and also um the reason why was because the mpaa considered movies that were unrated as x um god that x rating eh? like anyways so the thing is and this is interesting because in the r-rated version much of the gore was taken out. All that blood and all the gore and all the guts and the goop and all that, a lot of that was taken out. But it was replaced with various scenes which had been deleted for pacing purposes. Remember I said this movie was originally 150 minutes long, right? Well, a lot of those deleted scenes that they took out to bring it down to 86 minutes, they then put in place of the gore that they took out. So, And that included the whole subplot with the fact that Dr. Hill... Had like, he, he could hypnotize. He can hypnotize people. In the movie, in the unrated version, the version that I have, that I've owned most of my life, um, in that version, there's a part where uh, Dr. Hill hypnotizes uh, Dean Halsey. Well, the, supposedly Dean Halsey, he's like dead, but he's reanimated. Um, but they use the idea of the lobotomy that dr hill did on the dead corpse of dean halsey as the reason why he could do his like hypnotizing kind of thing and whatnot um which kind of doesn't make sense because then later on he tries that hypnotizing thing on megan halsey but she's not lobotomized she's just naked on a fucking gurney but anyways they put that subplot back in for the r-rated version um and i believe it was also sometimes used in TV versions which yes if you can believe that or not this movie somehow or another was edited for television I don't know how you showed half this fucking movie but that's that's another story that I'll get into in a few minutes Um, but yeah so they put the whole subplot back in of uh, of the idea of that Dr. Hill could hypnotize people he was a hypnotist or whatever Um, there's also supposed to be a scene in the R version that showed Herbert West injecting himself with the reagent to keep himself awake. Um, but that's not in the unrated version. Uh, what was the other thing I saw about, um, so yes, the German Blu-ray release, which I, I do not have my hands on, uh, came out in 2013 has what it's the version of that film is known as the integral cut. That's basically where they took the R rated version end the unrated version and merged them as one so it goes from being 86 minutes to now 105 minutes so an hour and 45 minutes still there's still obviously stuff that's cut out because like i said the original version was 150 minutes so you have 45 minutes missing still but it kind of coagulates the two and i use that word because of we're talking about a very bloody movie and what does blood do? It coagulates. So I thought that was kind of cool. It, me being smart, S M R T. Uh, the reagent itself, it's got that really bright green glowy effect look to it. Yeah. Well, the reason why is because it was the liquid you get in a glue stick or glue stick, a glow stick. You know, the um, you get those like bright green glow sticks and whatnot. Well, they use the liquid in that as the reagent, as the, the, um, the juice, <laughs> the Kool-Aid that he likes, uh, injecting in people. Herbert West likes ingesting and inge- injecting, injecting in people. Okay. And here's the cool thing about that, because the original film when Stuart Gordon originally wanted to film this, he wanted to do it in black and white. Now, that would have sucked if the whole movie was black and white, but something that kind of occurred to me is, is if this movie had been filmed in black and white, it would have been cool to have the reagent still be green and everything else be black and white. That would really fucking stand out. It'd be really sharp. Um, but it's in color and that's a good thing. I'm glad this movie is in color because the colors are nice and vibrant and they're fun. Um, this, uh, this movie, uh, just in terms of little trivia, which leads into my next point. Uh, so this movie was one of the 13 films shown on Shutter's 24-hour marathon for The Last Drive-In. The, uh, at the time, which was meant to be a, a, a one-time deal. And we've since moved on and we're getting season three. Um, but yeah, when Joe Bob did that 13-film all-night marathon thing, this was one of the films that was featured in that um sadly the the sort of the lost opportunity of that but i mean i get it because they really didn't expect that that was going to take off is it it's too bad he couldn't have had like jeffrey combs or barbara crampton or Stuart gordon on the show with him but the 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 guest thing kind of evolved later on um i mean he did have felissa rose for uh, sleepaway camp but It's just, it's a shame. But I mean, at the time when, you know, when Joe Bob did that, that marathon, it was supposed to be, you know, we're doing this one time, we're never doing it again kind of thing. And well, anyways, the fans spoke and Shudder listened, um, this movie. So this kind of leads into a little bit of my backstory with the movie. So the movie was also featured on Shocktober in 1986 on the UHF Detroit Channel 50, um, WKBD and it was hosted by count scary. You guys have heard me talk about count scary on here before. He's kind of one of the horror hosts that, you know, influenced me as a kid that I was like, that dude's funny. Like, you know, I mean, he you know, was campy and it was kind of jokey and hokey and, but what, but it was something that I always looked forward to every year. Um, that's when I saw this movie for the first time was, uh, on shocktober and, I'm kind of glad I can barely remember it because I know it was a very, 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 very edited version. Um, I don't actually remember. Like, I know that's where I saw it for the first time. I don't remember what the movie looked like on national television or, like, well, it was local television. But, I mean, it was, like, you know, in the 80s when censorship was pretty high on TV. I mean, you barely got shows that got away with using, like, words like piss or, like, even douche. You know, you watch like these like comic book shows now and you'll hear someone call someone a douchebag and it's like, wow, they got away with that. But um, back in 86, you didn't get away with that. So, I mean, the movies were very edited. I mean, Shocktober is how I saw Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time. Shocktober is how I saw a lot of films for the first time. Um, A few of the Friday the 13th. That's how I saw them for the first time. So, and uh, granted, all these movies were edited, right? Because, you know, all the gore had to be taken out. All the violence had to be taken out. The, the swearing had to be taken out. Um, so I don't I don't remember the experience, but I do remember that's how I saw it um, for the first time. And then years later, I would finally get a chance to rent it on VHS. Uh, luckily, the place where I rented it from had the unrated version. So that's uh, it's pretty much the version I'm most acclimated to. Um, and I now own it. I've had it for oh, what about a year. I finally got my hands on the VHS a while back and kind of proud of it. I, li- I like it. Um, not to mention I have it on DVD as well. Not Blu-ray yet, believe it or not. Don't have the Blu-ray. Um, so in terms of like feelings and impressions I get from this movie, let's be fair here. There's not a bad acting job in this movie. I I honestly believe that when they went into this film, this is how they wanted people to act. Okay. I know I've read a few comments where people were like, the acting was so campy. I I believe it was meant to be that way. People. Um, I mean, even the stuffed plush zombie cat from hell. I, I mean, that cat brings its a game, man. It was passionate about that fucking role. Like, god damn that cat is so fucking hilarious granted it's not like tales from the dark side cat when the cat came out of the guy's mouth oh my god this fucking can't be a shit it's fresh in my mind because i just recently watched the movie but i mean i love the, i love this fucking movie and like the cat is definitely a highlight jeffrey combs would basically go on to be a legend because of this fucking movie you guys heard me talk about his resume at the beginning of like, you know, the starring cast and whatnot. I'm not going through that again. Um, sadly, Bruce Abbott didn't fare as well. I mean, he would, he would, what he's, I believe he's even still acting today. He went on to do acting things. Just, he's not as memorable as Jeffrey Combs was. Uh, and as for Barbara Crampton, well, I mean, you guys know how she did in the acting world. I mean, especially in the soap opera world, she was on young and the restless for what, six seasons, or something like that. um, And obviously in the B movie realm, she, she's making movies even today, you know, and, and live tweeting during, you know, the last drive in marathons on Twitter. So, I mean, she, she's still around. She's keeping busy and she looks good for her age. She's a beautiful woman. Um, I hope I look that good at her age. I already don't, but you know, (laughs) anyways, uh, David Gale and Robert Sampson. Okay, so I have to point out that they are the fucking standouts in this movie, though. As much as I love Jeffrey Combs, as much as Dean Cain and, you know, Megan Halsey are nice characters, the cat's fucking amazing. I love that cat. But the highlights of this fucking film are David Gale and Robert Sampson, especially David Gale. You gotta figure David Gale. Like, I mean... Like, Stuart Gordon and the special effects team, they put that man through literal hell. Like, some of the things he had to do, like, at one point where there's, like, the headless zombie is, like, holding David, well, like, Dr. Hill's head, but, like, at the stomach area, they had to, like, build, like, a whole, like, contraption of, like, a a body standing up. And David Gale had to, like, bend over and stick his head through this hole and, like, basically act in that position like that that's fucking rough i yeah sure he probably got paid you know a good penny for it and whatnot but or maybe he didn't i don't really know how much he got paid for this movie but i mean they asked him to do quite a bit of shit including the head giving head scene with miss barbara crampton And, okay, so the pig in me could say I'm jealous, but whatever. I'm not going to go there. That's fucking mean. It's rude. and Whatever. You're laughing. You know you're laughing. Whatever. Um, The movie, it's a fucking scene in the movie. It's not like I'm making this shit up here. But rumors have it, and this is kind of sad, but rumors have it that because of that scene, because of the scene where it's like the head is about to, you know, fellate a young and helpless Barbara Crampton. Apparently he got divorced from his wife because of that. Like in real life, David Gale's wife left him because of that. Um, that's pretty rough. Now, I, I don't know on the validity of that. Apparently, uh, Stuart Gordon is quoted as saying that it was true. So I'm assuming it's a true thing. I mean, if it came from Stuart Gordon and, you know, whatever. Um, But I mean, like, I was reading, like, some of the shit that, like, David Gale went through for this film. Like, they had him, like, shave his head. And the reason why was because they couldn't find a wig that would match his hair. And in scenes where they had to have, like, the, the... you know, the fake head and whatnot, they couldn't get that. The head would look like his. So he basically had to shave his head to wear a wig so that they could use that wig also on several of the other props. So it was like, you know, I mean, you're sitting there saying, well, yeah, what it's hair, it'll grow back. And you're right. But still it's like, I don't. I, I assume they must have during the auditions they must have warned him you're in for a rocky road dude like it's not going to go easy on you um, and then Robert Sampson is just amazing as a dead man who's like lobotomized and hypnotized and it's just it's fucking funny to watch um, in terms of the head giving head scene supposedly it's been said that this was the first movie to ever have a scene like that The thing is, is that I remember this 1981 movie called Mystics in Bali. I know it's a, you know, Asian film. So it's not mainstream. It's not Hollywood. It's not American. So fuck it. It doesn't matter, but it does matter. And I believe there's a scene where a head gives head. And that was in 1981. So I do not believe that reanimator is actually the first movie to have that kind of a scene. Um, now, whether or not Stuart Gordon borrowed the idea from Mystics and Bally, I have no fucking clue. I don't know. Mystics and Bally is a fucked up movie. It's a lot of fun, but it's fucked up. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I just need to like put a, a punctuation point on this. David Gale, Robert Sampson, they both played some really fun dead guys. I, I got I got to end it on that. Uh, the music, the music is fantastic. Fun. It's perky. It's brilliant. Richard Band created a fucking gem with this score. Eh, okay. So he borrowed a bit from Bernard herman Whatever. It's an homage. we were all about the homages in 2020. So I don't know why in 18, 1985 they couldn't get on board with that too. But whatever. Um, it, it. Whatever. It, it, it's it's a great fun little score. And I mean, when you listen to it, you know it's Reanimator. You can tell the difference between Reanimator and Psycho. So fuck off. Uh, <laughs> the blood and the effects oh my god the blood the blood the blood um like i said earlier i'm not sure if evil dead 2 or dead alive or this one which one is the top it's something i probably could have researched but i didn't um so sue me um but yeah it's definitely up there uh the highlights of this film for me are definitely like the the demon cat is fucking hilarious the schwarzenegger body double zombie dude um, who actually kills Dean Halsey. He's fucking hilarious. The security guard. And yes, we all know at that point when, uh, what is it? Um, Dr. Hill's like well the zombie version of Dr. Hill is going into the morgue and fucking the security guard is reading like, oh, what's the name of that magazine too. But you can tell it's like a fucking porn magazine and he looks up at the door. He sees the door is closed. It's locked. And he's like, break time. It's like, dude, you are so going to beat your meat right now, aren't you? It's like, it, but it's fucking hilarious. Like, <laughs> it's like, uh, what did I write? I wrote, we all know break time meant he was going to animate his meat to life. Like, <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> but it's so funny, and like, just ah. Oh. And I love that quote about like the the locked doors. Like, fuck, that the security guard. We needed more of him in the movie. Um, and Do- David Gale's performance as Dr. Hill, once he's decapitated and reborn, is just, it's, it's a gem to watch. On top of the fact that, yes, Herbert West is, uh, fuck, just fun. So, okay, before I go into my actual final rating of the movie, normally I like to, like, pick quotes from critics and whatnot, and uh, this was interesting. Because I usually highlight two guys. You know which two I'm talking about. I grew up watching them, right? So, Siskel and Ebert are something that... If you're an 80s kid, those were like your movie critic names. Along with Leonard Maltin. Those three always kind of stood out. So, I'm doing Reanimator. It's a movie from 1985. I know both Siskel and Ebert were alive and well. And reviewing horror movies and usually hating them. So... (laughs) I was like, let's see what they had to say about this movie. Surprisingly, Gene Siskel did not hate this movie. I mean, he gave it two and a half stars out of four. Fucking Gene Siskel. This is a guy who usually gives every horror movie a zero. So I mean the fact that he gave it a two out of f- a two and a half out of four, I'm like, wow. Did anyone check his temperature? Anyways, I love his quote. His quote is like, oh, those crazy doctors, when will they ever learn to stop messing around with the natural order of life and death? It's true. When you think about it, even doctors today, like in, here we are in 2020, and doctors are like, you know, it's all about life and death and shit. I mean, I get it. It's their occupation. It's their job, whatever. But I was just like, Yeah. In this movie, they're crazy. Okay, whatever. The mad scientist kind of doctor. It's a mad scientist genre. Roger Ebert even topped Siskel by giving it three out of four stars, and he wrote, I walked out somewhat surprised and reinvigorated, if not reanimated, hint, hint, uh, or wink, wink, whatever, by a movie that had the audience emitting taxi whistles and wild goat cries. Dude, I wish I'd see this movie in the theater with him then. Like, fuck, this sounds like it was a lot of fun. Um, Paul Adanasio of the Washington Post said, "Reanimator is splatter heaven." Yep, it's not wrong. Uh, based on the sci-fi novel by H.P. Lovecraft, Reanimator's gore is exceeded only by its wit. Yes, this movie is very clever. The dark humor in it is awesome. And if you're not one for dark humor, some of it will probably go over your head. But this movie is actually fucking funny. Um, I recently had a a discussion with a friend who has tried watching this movie, but they just can't seem to get past the initial beginning of it. And I was telling him, I'm like, you have to approach it as a comedy. If you approach it as a horror film, you may not... Get what they want you to get. You got to look at it more in the humor aspect and then just enjoy the film as it is. Um, and so I, I thought, like, you know, uh, Paul's comment there about like the gore is exceeded only by its wit. Yes, absolutely. Um, Janet Maslin, I've mentioned her on the show before uh, from the New York Times, usually hates horror films. She wrote, Reanimator has a fast pace and a good deal of grisly vitality. It even has a sense of humor, albeit one that would be lost on 99.9% of any ordinary movie-going crowd. I love the fact that she points out that this movie is not for everyone, but if it is for you, you will fucking love it. That's awesome. Bill Kelly of the South Florida Sun Sentinel. Well, he had this to say about the movie. Because Reanimator is so poorly acted and directed by Stuart Gordon, whose first film this is, there is no tension to break. So the gruesome scenes are just clinical and dull. Hey, Bill, why don't you stop being so dull yourself, you dumb bitch? Seriously, poorly acted? When are people going to start realizing that some movies, the acting is fucking intentional? they wanted this movie hammed up. They were intentionally bringing the humor. When are people going to start just sitting back and enjoying a fucking movie for what it is instead of expecting something first and then when you don't get it, you're fucking disappointed. And I'm one to, <laughs> I'm one to say something. That was me with Blair Witch, you know, Book of Shadows and fucking Alien Covenant. But anyways, uh, Klaus B is a fan comment that I caught on the net and I wanted to To just point this out, this came from a fan where he wrote, A rare case of comedy horror working on all levels. The effects show the film's age, in a way, yes, he's right, but reflect the spirit of its production wonderfully. Okay, so he does make a good point. Comedy horror working on all levels. You know what other comedy horror film worked on this level and came out the same year? Return of the Living Dead. And I'm going to explain something that is really cool about both Reanimator and Return of the Living Dead. You have basically theater actors doing both movies. And here's the thing about that, what both movies had in common was both movies were rehearsed for 2 weeks in advance before having even an inch of film start rolling. All these actors would get together act out their parts, get to know how each other acts, how they works, what to expect, their dialects, the whole nine yards for two weeks prior to any filming even being done. So once the cameras are rolling, they've already practiced this shit. Both movies have extremely high ratings. Both movies are extremely loved and both movies are highlights of 1985. And why? Because theater actors getting together, doing what theater actors do. They rehearse first, Then they do the production. And I thought that was awesome. When I saw his comment, I was like, he's not wrong. As a matter of fact, he's absolutely right. This is a comedy horror that works on all levels because all levels were rehearsed before they even started rolling the film. Um, IMDb has this movie at a 7.2 out of 10. The common rating being 7, obviously. I think that was pretty obvious. Um, And had well over 15,000 votes at 7. So... That's a, that's a solid thing. Like coming from IMDb, which sometimes can be pretty harsh on horror films, seven point two out of ten is very nice. Rotten Tomatoes: the critic rating is at ninety three percent certified fresh. Very few critics actually hated this movie. I mean, Bill Kelly was just <laughs> was just maybe one of I think four comments that I saw were negative. Um, and the audience score is at eighty two percent, which not bad. I mean, it's higher than IMDb, but I. I I was kind of surprised, but not at the same time. Shutter's rating for it is a 4.7 out of 5 right now, and 91% of Google users like this film. The Podcast Zero Rating. Here's my write-up on this. Let's be honest here. It's not very common for people to dislike this film. Um, as a matter of fact, it's a very rare occurrence that anyone not like this movie. This little low-budget film did wonders for everyone involved. Man, even Bruce Abbott. I know I say he didn't have the acting career he would have liked, but still had an acting career, and he, he was pretty successful. This movie does not take itself too seriously, if at all. <laughs> the movie brings some dark humor to the table, and even in a world like the one we live in today, where a vocal minority scream like they believe themselves to be the majority... Trying to have everything canceled. This movie is still beloved, revered, and new fans are constantly falling in love with this movie in today's day. When people are like, oh my god, you need to be canceled. No one wants to cancel Reanimator. Is this my favorite H.P. Lovecraft adaptation? Close. I always toss up between this one and Dagon and from beyond isn't too shabby either. Um, but I, I I always bounce back and forth. I love reanimator and I love Dagon and it's always a toss up between the two. This movie is quick paced as mentioned by Janet Maslin. Uh, the humor is on point. It's dark in cases. in many cases, it's very clever. Um, there are some great quotes, I love the music score. The soundtrack I own. I love this soundtrack. I think it is great. I love the gore. It's never too extreme to the point where it makes me want to gag or anything. No, it is fucking fun. And this movie, especially like some of the gore. What I like about this, you guys remember when I did The Brain That Wouldn't Die. Way back. I was like episode like what? 27, 26, something like that. Um, And I, always, I, I was always impressed with... keep in mind that was an older film it was 1962 I think it was um but I was impressed with like the the visuals of you know how they they had like the the severed head in the pan and whatnot this goes extra further like you could tell that 20 years later special effects had evolved like and I love the gore in this. I love the fact that the like the head in the pan and, and all the different things they did with, you know, the, the severed limbs and whatnot is it's they did it very well. Yes, are some of the effects dated? Uh, the dead cat thing is completely dated, but it's still so much fun to watch. The movie is just under an hour and a half long. It brings me so much joy. This year has been extremely hard on all of us. So many of us are having different things that we've had to deal with, different ways of approaching life. There are, there's so much going on that has a lot of people feeling very isolated or exhausted. I feel both these days. You guys obviously know that. This podcast has suffered from it. Um, and yet, I'm re watching this movie before doing this review and laughing and just feeling joy, feeling awesome. Reanimator is a gem. It is an absolute fucking gem. It gets the newly named post-perfect mortem award of 10 out of 10 reagent dead fucking Hellcats. That's the trophy I'm giving it. This movie is fucking awesome. It is a 10 out of 10. I love this movie. It is imperfectly perfect. Yes, it's got its flaws. It's got flaws. I probably could have pointed out a few of them, but why bother? This movie, it just, it. If you are a horror nerd and you love Stuart Gordon films or you love dark comedies or comedy horrors or whatever you want to call them and you like H.P. Lovecraft, I mean, yes, as I even stated, it's not a complete, um, it, it's, it's not a proper adaptation of the Lovecraft story. Like I said, it's kind of like a parody of Frankenstein thrown in there, but it's still so much fun. And it is so awesome to watch. And it's just, it's an absolute joy. It is a 10 out of 10, imperfectly perfect. And on that note, thanks for listening, kids. Thanks a lot for tuning in this week. Um, yes, I realize this, <laughs> this episode should have come to you two weeks ago. Like I said, you know, I had the whole plans worked out and everything, and then I just I didn't like the way the episode was going. I was like, no, I got to scrap this, Um, because that's the thing. Sometimes my episodes may take a while to come out, but I want to make sure I put out a good product that I'm proud of. I don't want another Suspiria episode, so it's like, it's like ah, fuck it, scrap it, and then just trying to think of something that would be awesome to do and like i said this was my mandela effect because i could have swore i did this movie already and i didn't so anyways um where to find the podcast how to contact me if you want to social media you can follow i got a lurker's recommendation which is a good one and then we'll close out with an awesome track that was just released today it's an awesome song too fuck it's so awesome it's um like a remix of the original song, but I don't. It's fucking great. Anyways, so you got that friend, you know? You know they, they, they just listen to you listening to this, and they were like, "Hey, you know, dude, he's a fucking cool guy." You know, I bet he's sexy as fuck too. No, I'm not. Don't look into that. But anyways, um, you want to tell someone where to find the podcast? Tell them, you know, Spotify for sure, Apple Podcasts, Google. Or at its home, the next level network.com. Next work, Neville. Wow, wow, wow. The next level slash podcast zero. Or they can go to what lurks behind podcast zero at dot, dot com and at dot com. No, dot com. Wow, I am fucking this up. I'm leaving it all. You can all laugh at me. Point and laugh. Ha ha. And now what we do these days point and laugh at people oh no sorry that's insensitive oh don't laugh at people facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero point and laugh at me on there okay it's awesome to laugh at people on social media we're gonna get ripped apart for saying that but fuck off I don't care (laughs) I'm telling you to laugh at me you can go ahead and do it um instagram what lurks behind podcast zero Uh, On Twitter, at WLB Podcast Zero. Lurker's Recommendation. Let's move on to that stuff. So, Lurker's Recommendation is a movie I watched recently that uh, took me by surprise. I did not think I was going to like it, and I fucking loved it. And it stars Tim Robbins' son and Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. Miles Robbins and Patrick Schwarzenegger are in this film and this movie. like It caught me by surprise because... I saw the, like, the poster artwork for it, and I was like, oh okay, whatever. And then I was, like, reading the synopsis, and it, I don't know, the synopsis just didn't really grab me that much. Like, it was like, you know, the guy's imaginary friend comes back and kind of makes him do weird shit and stuff, and I'm like, okay, what is this, fucking Winnie the Pooh gone dark? Like, I, I don't know, it just seemed weird. Anyways, the movie's called Daniel Isn't Real, and wow, it was fucking awesome. It was kind of like Mr. Robot meets Donnie Darko. And then has like an American Psycho feel to it. It was like, fuck, this movie's awesome. So, I'm recommending Daniel Isn't Real. It's on Shudder. For those of you who have Shudder, you can also, I believe, you can rent it through Google. Um, I think you can rent it on YouTube, actually, as well. And Apple, uh, Xbox... Like different ways. I know it's available on a lot of like the VODs and whatnot, so check it out. It was really good. Um, postmortem says, check it out. I'm totally stealing that from Joe Bot, I know. Um, closing track. And close out. Okay, so I mentioned that this is a song that was just released today. Uh, as I'm recording this August 10th. So there's this band. There's this band I like. You might have you heard of them. Uh, you know, Motionless and White. I really like this band. I've liked them for some time now. I kind of got into them around, I think it was like 2015, and I didn't mind them so much. Um, and then they released their most recent album, Disguise, and it's been a while. Like, I mean, with the exception of like Ice Nine Kills' The Silver Screen, it's been a while since I've heard an album that, like, from track one all the way through is easy to listen to, and yet this band did that. One of the songs on there was called Another Life, which the original track was sung by just the lead singer, Chris, uh, it goes by the name of Chris Motionless. Um, anyways, they re-released a, They re, they released a remix version of it today, uh, featuring guest vocals from the female artist Curly. And I'm not gonna lie, like, at first when her, her vocals started, I was like, I'm not sure... And then all of a sudden, she actually starts singing. And I was fucking blown away. I was like, god damn, I think this song is better than the original. And that doesn't happen often with me. So, that's what we're gonna close out with, the song Another Life by Motionless and White, featuring the guest vocals from Curly. Uh, next episode... I'm going to keep doing this. I'm keeping you guys in suspense. I'm not telling you what it is. I already have figured it out, by the way. I already. And I'm not going to, you know, be like, oh, god damn, this sucks. No. It, the movie I'm doing next is awesome. So, well, awesome in sense of that. There's a lot to talk about. Which I realize I talked a lot in this episode. This is a bit of a longer episode than normal. Uh, thank you for sticking it out with me. But that's basically it next episode is a surprise and that's that it's a cut
0: if i can't let you go will darkness divide for the fiction of love is the truth of our lies we were playing for keeps but we Knew the cost Now the only way out In your heart-shaped box But I hate that it seemed You were never enough We were broken and bleeding But never i made you the enemy and i hate that your heart was the casualty